Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is about progress. You are listening to episode 225, How to Stop Hating Yourself with Tony Overbay. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to guide you toward living the life you want. Each week, you'll hear interviews and teachings on how to balance self-development with self-acceptance. Listen in and join our community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. I am so happy to have you here today, and I hope that you have been enjoying this month's theme, Best Of. We've been all over the map in some of the best ways. Last week, we played the most popular episode of the entire year, and today, you get to hear my favorite episode of the entire year. And before you think I'm going to get all braggy on you, just so you know, I did a terrible job editing this the first round. So this is also a redo that I've been wanting to do all year as well. I like to challenge you to do things that scare you. And this podcast is that for me. I am constantly evolving and pivoting and trying new things. And early in 2019, I wanted to sound like This American Life and interject more music and narration intermixed with the interviews. 
And I did that for about the first month of interviews before I quickly realized, wow, this format is not great for someone who has limited time to edit a podcast. And so I stepped back to my normal format of having great interviews and letting those shine. Now, Tony Overbay is my guest, and he is an amazing therapist who also is a podcaster at The Virtual Couch, which I highly recommend. But this episode in particular really stuck with me the entire year because of many reasons. One of them is that line, what is the story I am telling myself? You're going to understand why that's so important. Um, And the other thing too was him introducing this idea of acceptance and commitment therapy. And of course, I'm not a therapist. I'm not going to do it just if, if I try to explain it now. And that's in the episode. But the nutshell here is you need to act more than just the cognitive side of thing, thinking about how you want to change, working on your mindset and your thoughts, which is very, very important is the acting part. And you're going to hear me say in this interview that that is in fact what has changed my life is the acting. And yes, it goes hand in hand with working on your thoughts too. I love Tony's candor and his humor and his realness. And he was so fun to actually interview. And I'm glad that I get to have this chance to re-air this episode for you today. Before we do that, I would like to have two quick announcements from our community board. If you've taken any of those Enneagram tests, you will understand when I tell you that my type is three, an achiever. So that's why the beginning of a new year is super exciting for me. It's full of possibilities and things I want to change and do differently and how I want to show up in new ways to my life and improve myself. I want you to take advantage of this time like I am trying to do for you by offering my Rediscover You workshop online, which has been heavily requested by you over and over again. I'm doing something dumb and I'm sharing about it all of December. I'm selling it throughout December when nobody really wants to think about their personal development until January 1st. Well, I know you and I know this audience and I know that you want to work on yourself here and now that you are ready to take action and really show up in different ways. So if you've been feeling a little lost in your own personal growth, if you aren't really sure about your identity right now and your gifts and your purpose, come find clarity with my online Rediscover You workshop. There are two different dates to choose from, both in the beginning of January. I adore teaching this workshop and seeing the transformations that are happening literally before my eyes with the women who are attending. As a former educator, this is where I really feel like my gifts are shining and I love to learn together with you. Now, this is the only time I am planning on teaching the Rediscover You workshop the entire year. And for me, it goes best with the beginning of the year. So I would hop on this now. It's not going to be offered again later. You can find out how to get your tickets and learn more about the workshops by going to aboutprogress.com slash workshop. One of my biggest goals for 2020 with the podcast is to make everything we teach here inspire you to do something about your life, to take what you are learning and change. That is why I am going to offer an online membership group called the Messy Middle Club, and I would love for you to take part of this. It is the only way you'll be able to access the monthly progress plans that used to be free all of 2019, but now they'll be on this membership site. Also there, you're going to have bi-weekly coaching calls, weekly lives, monthly challenges, and monthly book clubs, and more. Now, because this is in the infancy stages of this, and I want to really dive deep to understanding what you need most out of this group. I'm only going to make this $1 a month 
for the next few months until we really get it nailed down and know exactly what this group needs to look like. So if you want to take part of this trial run, this beta launch of my membership group, go to the link in my show notes and and sign up for an alert for one that's open and ready for you to sign up. I'm really, really looking forward to all things about Progress 2020, and I hope you'll join me with this special accountability group where you'll also find inspiration and community. Let's dive into this interview now with Tony. Just two things to tell you ahead of time. We definitely had some tech issues recording this. I'm only telling you that not because it's super distracting, just so you don't think your own device is kind of breaking up here and there in small, slight ways. Um, It was just our recording. And sometimes that's what you have to work with. Um, And the next thing I want to tell you, at one point we talk about should on yourself, S-H-O-U-L-D. Just want to make sure that's really clear. Tony wanted to make sure that was clear too. Don't should on yourself, and that's going to be explained in the episode. All right, let's do this. So uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I have been married for 28 years to my high school sweetheart, which I always love those stories, right? That's the so truth great. is I, I dated two of her friends. I would, uh, <laughs> he was the one I would bump, and I threw food at her at like some dance and just thought she was so cool, right? Yeah. And then just like any 80s romantic comedy, one day all of a sudden, I think she must have done her hair different. I thought, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. You know? Oh yeah. I remember even asking my friends, "Hey, is uh, is Wendy? She's 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 pretty, right?" And so uh, you know, the rest is history. So 28 years, we have four kids that are ages 20, 18, 16, and 14. And um, I, I actually spent the first 10 years out of college in so- computer software sales, and uh, just wasn't wasn't my thing. I got to travel all around the world. I got to speak at a lot of conferences. I loved that, but I just um, not really a sales guy and I wasn't a big, big computer guy and so I had a little bit of a you know felt called to um, be a therapist so that was a that was a career change about uh, 10 years into um, my adult life I guess so it was scary you know I did the that thing where scary. I put off um, going back to grad school for a couple of years and then I thought okay another two years are going to pass I'm either going to have um, my master's in counseling or not so I went and then once I started I still remember seeing my first few clients and it was just uh, it was kind of crazy. It was like a I don't know, light bulb went off and I just thought, okay, this is really what I want to do. And I, I tell the story. I apologize if you've heard this one, but um, I really felt called to work with men. I wanted to help them be better husbands and fathers and all those good things. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't know initially was that guys don't typically come to counseling mm-hmm. um, therapy. So even in grad school, I would say this thing and I felt like everybody would go, oh, what an admirable cause. And then the professors would almost kind of chuckle. And, and I didn't know at the time that they already knew because a lot of them were active therapists that men were kind of hard to get to come into counseling. Oh, yeah. So, right. So then that led to, I started doing a lot of work with, um, addictions, pornography, addiction, uh, compulsive sexual behavior. Cause there's, there you get some guys and then doing a lot of uh, couples counseling and, and that sort of thing. So, um, that's kind of how I got to where I'm at now. That's amazing. And yeah, I love, you've said this on your show too, that you ended up working with a lot of women. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's so important. That's, that's half of the puzzle. And I love that. That's a big part of your focus. Is it is. And, and man, there's so many things with that too. So I end up even working with men. So a lot of men, um, a larger percentage of men have some of the, our, our favorite personality disorders, such as things like narcissism. Mm-hmm. So I get that's to work with a lot of, a lot of uh, women and help them kind of learn, I mean, to not get caught up in the, the crazy or to yeah. recognize when they are being gaslit or that mm that again, that they're not crazy, they're okay. So a lot of the work I've done with women is in that regard. And then also when I've worked with a lot of addicts, whether it's, you know, pornography addiction, 
Um, I've done a lot with betrayal trauma. And I really, as difficult as that work is, I really do love it because I, I you know, I just, it breaks my heart that a lot of women um, do feel blindsided when they find out about that uh, addiction from their spouse and they, and, and how do they not then a lot of times internalize it or wonder what they could have done or is it about them? And so, and that part breaks my heart, but I love helping people kind of work through that and find out that they are okay. So that's a lot of the work I've been able to do with women in particular. It is so magnificent. And I totally recommend your podcast. I'll make sure I link to that in the show notes, but I love your podcast because you're basically sitting down with a really cool therapist yeah. and getting all of your gems over the internet. It's so nice. And so nice that you offer that to people. Okay. So Tony, you are here as an expert for something that I think is fundamental to any change and growth people are going to want to do in the new year. Uh, it's 2019 nice. as we're going to air this podcast. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. And people are going to be trying to make changes in their lives. And I think the biggest thing we want to take away from this conversation is why it is so important to work on your thoughts about yourself and basically how to stop hating yourself, that you don't have to hate yourself in order to improve yourself. Oh, okay. Yes. So, yeah, let's dive into this. Tell, okay. tell me first, why... Why does it even matter that we like ourselves? No, this is so good. And, and I do feel like we come from this just place of, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to be prideful. We don't want to get puffed up. We don't want to, you know, those are bad things. Um, but they're not. Because so I, I came up with this concept about a decade ago, I call it the emotional baseline. And so what it, what it really is, is uh, on any given day, not any given day, in the grand scheme of things, there are times where we feel like our baseline of emotions are high, where we feel like everything's going great. We love our jobs and our kids and, and the weather's great and, and our, the, the candy is fresh and the can everything is yeah. going great. And we have these decisions that come at us and we feel good and they just roll off our back and, you know, we make these decisions and, and all is well. But then there are also times where, um, you know, maybe we've lost a job or, or lost a loved one or we are sick or our kids have uh, kind of going through a rebellious streak or the dog has... I was going to say pooped on the carpet. I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but things happen, right? And so th then our, our baseline of emotions are low. And so, but the problem is the same decisions are coming at us every day. And so, and I really do believe we react differently from a high emotional baseline versus a low. We really need to do the self-care work to raise that emotional baseline. So when I get somebody that is depressed, for example, um, the first thing I like to say is really, what do you like to do? And sometimes they feel like, you know, that, hey, that's just putting a bandaid on, on the wound, but you have to start somewhere. And, uh, and I like in one of your podcasts, you talked about reading that you're, you're getting back mm -hmm. to reading, I believe. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so I, you know, one of the examples I like to give is, uh, I had a guy who had gone through a divorce and he was pretty down and he worked from home and he's uh, supposed to be getting things done. He wasn't. And so we talked about how, how could he raise his emotional baseline? And he talked about loving to read. Um, but then I said, okay, so what happens? Why, why aren't you reading? And he said, well, you know, when I read, I feel like I should be reading all these deep spiritual tomes, oh, yes. you know, uh, Jesus the Christ, the infinite atonement, all these things. And he said, but then when I read them, I lose, I lose track. I feel bad about myself. So then here I go to read and now my baseline of emotion is lower. So I basically said, all right, uh, half an hour a day. What do you like to read? He was a legal thriller guy. So yeah. read a little John Grisham, right? And then, you know, yeah. and then don't feel guilty and enjoy it and be present. And when you come out of that, you're going to feel better. And now maybe go take the dog for a walk. And now all of a sudden you're, oh you can gosh, do it. Yes. Right. So, so that's the part where I think the investing in yourself, um, self-care is, uh, I call you know, I, to me, it's raising that emotional baseline and it really isn't such a, because 
when your emotional baseline is high, you are, you're a better you, which then equates to being a better mom, a better wife, a better uh, church person, a better community person, a better everything because you feel good about yourself. One thing I want to touch on is how people can see this term of, you know, self care work. I love how you said that because people talk about self love a lot right now. And I think yeah. they either view it as something that means treat yourself like oh, who yeah. cares, just love yourself anyway. Don't change anything about you and kind of be indulgent, like live yeah. an indulgent lifestyle um, sure. or live as a martyr. Um, <laughs> or they see it as, dang it, I should, should, should be doing these things. Like if I'm investing myself, if I'm taking time for myself, I should be running a marathon, like training for a marathon. Yeah. I should like your, your literature thing. Like I should be reading the best books right. that have ever yeah. been out there. The classics, the whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's not two sides there. And what I love about what you said, self-care work is it's finding that middle ground. What really is going to serve you and restore you? So you're yeah. able to to withstand what it's going to take to improve yourself. Is Absolutely. Right? Oh gosh, no, that's, that's perfect. Um, Cause again, if we, then when we feel like, okay, I should, and I don't know, I always say nobody wants to be should on, like, you don't yes. want to, I try not to should on people. Yes. That, but, but that part about, you know, you should do this and you should do that then brings along with it so much uh, just guilt and shame. And I am the biggest yeah. anti guilt and shame guy um, because those just aren't productive uh, emotions. A guilt can be, like a stop sign, you know, it can, you know, I can feel guilty that I forgot to pick up my grandma at the store or whatever. Um, shame is where then that part that comes in and says, because you're a horrible person and you, you know, you'll never get any better and everybody hates, you know, and once the shame starts rolling, then that's when we withdraw, we isolate, we feel less than, and then now welcome to the world of, you know, coping skills and addictions and, and that whole thing. Well, that relates to what I wanted to talk about next was about how we view ourselves. How that mm -hmm. is such an essential piece to um, learning to like ourselves. So if someone does not like who they are, they really struggle with negative self-talk. Yeah. They don't even know they're negative. They're doing negative self-talk. You know, I really think that's probably the lowest you get is when you don't even realize how bad yeah. it is, that track in your brain. Yeah. Um, what can they do to start changing how yeah. they do themselves? So this is where, so I love this uh, concept that's called acceptance and commitment therapy and uh, ACT is the acronym. So, and, and I'll just give you a two a minute of just some boring stuff. So there's another huge part of yeah. therapy called the uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Uh -huh. And I was a huge CBT therapist for years. Mm -hmm. And so CBT kind of works with that. Your thoughts lead your emotions, your emotions, your behaviors. And you really do identify a lot of those automatic negative thoughts or ants and you get all clever and you say stomp out the ants and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I still, I love it. But the problem I would run into a lot with clients is, you know, the example might be, uh, I walk into a room and I feel like everybody hates me. So then in cognitive behavioral therapy, you can dig and see where that, those automatic negative thoughts come from. And then you kind of, all right, you challenge that. And, you know, now you walk into the room and you say, all right, or maybe they're all uh, just, they all had a bad day and it's not about you. So that's in theory leads to a different, uh, you know, it's a different thought, leads to a different emotion, and the behavior is, all right, I'm going to go, you know, mingle. The problem is I would run into people that get out into the wild, and then they do that, okay, what's my automatic negative thought? They, okay, they're all just having a bad day. And then the brain sometimes says, oh, no, they really don't like you, you know, and then it's like, ah, you know, that, so it's, it was really easy to do in sessions, and I'm, again, they're brilliant cognitive behavioral therapists, but for me, um, then I, w I went to a training, and it was on this acceptance and commitment therapy. What I love about it, it's another evidence-based modality. And what it says is you walk into that room and you feel, you might feel like nobody likes you, but 
you're, you're human and you have all these experiences growing up where maybe you were isolated or maybe you did have people that teased you or maybe you were bullied or maybe your parents didn't give you attention or whatever. So you come into that situation and we're not, we're not telling you your thoughts are bad or, you know, you shouldn't be having those or they're just there. Your brain's just saying, here you go, you know, here's some thoughts. So what I love about it is you're, you're kind of making room for those thoughts. And then what you're doing is you're changing that relationship with the thoughts. So in that moment, then you, you will have done some work around, all right, what's my goal? My goal is to connect to people. Um, you know, and, and I've, I've, so then I walk into that room and my thoughts are saying, they all think you're, you know, crazy. Then it's like, okay, um, we're not even going to judge whether that thought is true or false. We're not going to hold some trial and get expert witnesses. And it's like, yes, they all feel you are crazy. Cause then, you know, then what do you do? Right? So what acceptance and commitment therapy says is with that, that, you know, that thought, um, if your goal is connection, then what your brain is trying to do is it's trying to hook you to that thought. Um, and well, first of all, you kind of, you, you step back and you go, all right, I'm, I'm kind of feeling uh, anxious or, or, or uh, I don't know, upset or worried or whatever it is in that situation. And you say, all right, what's the story my brain is telling me? My brain is telling me the old, everybody hates you story, mm -hmm. you know, and if it can hook me on that story, then, and I fuse to that story, this cognitive fusion, if I believe that story is true, then I don't have to do the work of going out into the room, right? Yes. And your brain is so set on trying to um, keep you where you are. So when you're saying, all right, I am going to now start making connections out in public, you know, your brain at first may uh, do a little bit, give you a little dopamine bump and go, yeah. And then your brain sits back and says, okay, let's come up with all these reasons. They call it like a reason giving machine of why that won't work. Okay, well, what if you go out there and you don't know what to say? Or what if everybody laughs at you? Or what if your brain's trying desperately, bless its little heart, to just not cause you to go out there and do something that might not go well. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what I love about acceptance and commitment therapy. So then you're saying, all right, um, I'm, I'm feeling like they don't like me. And then it's like, we're not even judging if that story is true or false. It is, is it a workable or productive thought toward the goal? If it's not, then that's just one of those thoughts your brain's putting out there and where you do some nice mindfulness skills and move it on through. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I often speak about how women must do habits differently. And one of the biggest reasons why is simply biology. In other words, hormones. Our hormones are a real factor to how we feel physically, mentally, and emotionally. And they constantly change day to day and year to year as we age. My friends warned me that the hormone roller coaster gets harder as we get older. And they were right. From worse PMS to more aggravating period symptoms to all the things that come with perimenopause and menopause. If you're wanting help with that hormone roller coaster, I want you to check out today's sponsor, Happy Mammoth and their supplement, Hormone Harmony, a bottle of which is sold every 24 seconds with over 17,000 reviews. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. And here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible perimenopause and menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, 
poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas, and so much more. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. If you want to feel more like yourself, make sure you go to Happy Mammoth and find Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code PROGRESS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code PROGRESS for 15% off today. Um, that is really awesome. I'm really familiar with CBT just from being a patient for mm, many yeah. years in therapy. But as someone even outside and like in the real world, it's action yeah. that has changed me. It's like okay. acting on things and trying anyway and showing up and pushing myself. That is what has changed the way I view myself. I love it. I love it. An action. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, and the, no, I love that. So I did a, one of my podcast episodes was on, you know, why it can, one of these, why it can be difficult to be happy. And part of that, I think I gave an example of, let's say your goal is to be um, an engaged parent or to be there for your kids or that sort of thing. And then we all have those moments where we blow it. I mean, matter of fact, uh, I did uh, over the weekend, you know, and I'm a therapist. It's just a no better. Right. But it's like, (laughs) But so then, but so then it's like, so then my brain says, man, I feel crummy. And then it's like, what's the story my brain's telling me? It's the, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you're ruining your kids or you're a horrible parent or you'll never get this right. Cause if my brain can hook me to those stories, then I don't have to keep showing up and I don't have to do um, the, the, the hard work of going back in there and trying to be a better parent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's again, normal to have those, but I like what you're saying. The action piece is a big component of acceptance and commitment therapy. The acceptance is accepting our thoughts for human. And then the commitment is still committing toward what I need to do committing toward that action. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to say negative things about CBT therapists because they're amazing ones, you know? Well, they kind of have a lot of, um, interplay. It seems like too. Yeah, Um, no, they do. Yeah. So I like that thought though, of a way to interrupt it because that's the trickiest part about trying to help people work on their thoughts. It's like, how do you notice them? How do you change them? Like stop them. I love that phrase. What is the story my brain is telling me? It's awesome. So there's a funny thing. And I, so I'll be honest. I mean, I'm an acceptance and commitment therapy person big time to the point where it can even get annoying where I'm noticing all the stories my brain's trying to tell me, even about the stories my brain's trying to tell me. Once you're aware of it, what's the story my brain's telling me, you know, that's a way to kind of just quickly get yourself out of that, you know, the intensity of the story my brain's trying to hook me to. Mm-hmm. And another piece to that, that I thought was really interesting was essentially just thinking about who you want to be. Mm-hmm. What kind of person do you want to be parent, um, even athlete or yeah. reader, anything like that. And aspiring to that, being committed to that can help you um, overcome the story. Okay. You set me up for something. This is really cool. And I would have forgot about this. Uh, so one of the big components of acceptance and commitment therapy is those goals. You have to, you have to kind of do some value work before you get to the goal. And what this looks like. So if you just have a goal and it's not based on your values, it can become more like a rule. So uh, I have this list of about 57 values, and I can give you a link because it's online. It's from the Happiness Trap or the Confidence Gap book, one of these. Okay. But So it's these 57 values, and it's, it's such a wild exercise to do because all of them are great. So when I do this values exercise, you, you don't typically, well, you don't do it with your, your spouse in the same room because again, they're all great. And you're identifying which ones are really important to you. What are the values that are important mm-hmm. to you? And it yeah. can be, um, I'll give you a, like one, I'll, I'll give you an example, one that, uh, that will trip people up for, not trip people up. That sounds dramatic too. But one might be, 
um, power. So I think the definition of the value of power is, you know, is something like, you know, exerting power over others and being a leader and all those kind of things. So to some, that's a very core value to them. They want to be the leader. For others, that doesn't do anything for them, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, then that one's not going to be important. Uh, there's one on, you know, one of the values listed is freedom. And that's one of those where you get some people in there that, that literally are, you know, hey, freedom is the most important thing in this country was founded on our freedoms. And these values all look different for people. So, so a lot of the work you do is these values. So a couple of quick examples. One was I had a guy that his goal was making money. That was, you know, a lot of guys' goals are making money. He worked in a, an office where it wasn't shady, but it really maybe wasn't the best. They, they, they were maybe upselling people on things that they maybe didn't really need. Mm -hmm. And so he comes to me and so he liked the making money part, but he just felt so conflicted. And we did the values exercise and a couple of his core values were honesty and authenticity. And the story behind those where he'd grown up in a home with a narcissistic parent who had kind of changed the story all the time. So he said, when I'm out on my own, I am going to be honest in everything and I'm gonna be authentic. And so here he goes and he sets the goal of money, but he's not living true to his values. Yeah. So it, there was this like cognitive dissonance. So, um, you know, he, he left, he got out of there. And then another cool one I had was uh, somebody that then they were in a job in the restaurant industry. And then we identified their values because they felt stuck. They thought they were getting a, a cooler job. They were a bus boy. Um, no offense to bus boys, love them, love everything about them. Uh, and so then, uh, Actually, a really quick, funny story. My first job ever was at a place called Frontier Pies in Utah. I was 16, oh, yeah. I, right? I thought I was going to make pies and I get there and I'm a busboy. I lasted three weeks. I would hide out in the break room and in the bathroom. <laughs> and then I finally uh, got my parents to come oh, Yeah, that's sports. Yeah. Right? But um, so this person is in this uh, restaurant industry. And so we, we identify their values. And one was excitement. One was adventure. One was knowledge. Those kind of mm -hmm. things. So then they took that and then whenever they were on the break or whenever anything was going on, instead of just sitting in the break room, they went and learned how to be a line cook and they learned how to, uh, what's the garnish plates or whatever. Uh -huh. they, were, they, were, they were following that value of excitement and adventure and, and learning. And so then they quickly, um, you know, got a job that was in the kitchen and uh, I feel like I didn't want to say, and then they went on to own the restaurant. They didn't I really know. do that. Like, now they're oh. on. His name is Ted Denny's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, that Gary, really is Gary it. Dinko. Uh, <laughs> that's the one I know. <laughs> no, that was it. That was not. But, but I mean, it's like, so it's really an acceptance and commitment therapy. It's really, and that's why I love, it's about you. It's not about what other people think your value should be. It's not about Brilliant. your parents' values or your whatever values. It's your individual values. It's, okay. it's so fun. I mean, I feel like I'm doing like a little, like hand, <laughs> like, wow, yes, this is everything because knowing who you are. Yeah knowing who you really are, not who you should be yep, or who you think other people want you to that's, be. That's the kicker. That helps you really love yourself more. And sometimes yeah. that means you're looking at parts of you that aren't so pretty, mm -hmm. you know, but I think every good quality has its, has its, you know, harder thing to overcome with it. Yeah. But seeing yourself as you really are, I think enables you to move forward and liking yourself. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and it's so funny again, you know, it, because then you'll even find yourself getting down if let's say that, all right, now I'm going to my core value or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write more, I'm going to journal, I'm going to write the great American novel. And then you go a couple of weeks, maybe you haven't. You know, what I love about acceptance and commitment therapy is then it's like, man, now I'm down. And then it's like, oh, okay, what's the story my brain's telling me? Oh, it's the old you, you failed again story, or you can't even keep it up story or whatever. Yep. And it's like, okay, nothing, it, true or false, the story, whatever. It's not. Is it a workable thought toward my goal, which is based on my value of I want to write more. It's not. When I'm aware, I find myself 
recognizing, okay, I haven't been doing this thing. Um, your brain's trying to tell you, see, you know, I knew you couldn't do it because then if you buy into that, if you fuse to that thought, eh, no more writing, you don't have to, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just, it's so cool to be able to recognize, um, you know, it takes away the shame and the guilt of, okay, maybe I'm not uh, doing things every day or maybe I'm not perfect about things because it's like, and then what's the story my brain's telling me? It's that, see, you forgot again story or any of those things and just bringing awareness to that. And it's like, okay, um, now, you know, I'm not going to fuse to that story and I'm going to keep working toward my goal and over and over and uh, takes away that, hey, yeah, you failed story, that sort of thing. Well, that is the perfect lead into my last discussion point. Okay. Basically that term, you know, self-love, like I think there's that, that, that thinking that people get away with the thinking, if you love yourself, you don't try to change yourself. Yeah. And so much of what we've discussed here is the opposite is true. Yeah. When you like yourself and even love yourself, that means you are able to grow at a better rate and a more fulfilling way too. Yeah. Can you just speak on that? Like, why is that the case? So this is so cool. And I feel like maybe this is a little bit of the part of I'm projecting, I'm tra doing transfer and some bringing my own stuff into the podcast, Monica, but it's like, you know, here I was 10 years in software and I just didn't like it. And then I thought, man, I, I really want to do something I like. And, uh, and I didn't know acceptance and commitment therapy at the time, but I had other people tell me, you know, that's a, you know, you have four kids, you got a mortgage, you know, you don't, you don't yes. want to do that or you shouldn't do that. And you kind of look now in hindsight, especially in, from my therapist chair of a lot of those people are saying, wait a minute, I didn't do that. So you can't. Right. Oh, yep. And that, Oh, it kills me. So, so uh, that self, so it really is, it's all about continuing to change. I mean, it's all about progress. How about that plug? Huh? Yeah, your, there you go. Right? I like it. It really is because I feel like, you know, that that's the cool thing where it's okay. Um, quick, quick reevaluation of what my values are right now. What are my goals? Um, then I'm going to hear all the negative stories. Can I give you a really quick example again, I back in the acceptance and commitment therapy thing. So the marathon, you know, you talked earlier about that. So I, that's a great example of, you know, you maybe hear that somebody else ran one or something. So you say, all right, yeah. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to run a marathon. And then your brain squirts a little dopamine and the feel good center. And you're like, yeah. And then you step, then you step back and now your brain does the whole, again, they call it reason giving, but it's a nice way to say excuse okay. me. Thing. But yeah. so then your brain's going to go, I don't know. I, I don't want to hurt my knees and I don't, I uh, don't have a training plan and I don't, I don't have, have time a for that. I don't have time. I the right shoes. Yeah. The, all those. You're, yeah. So those are like, just watch what your brain does and then just kind of say, oh, okay. I see what you're doing brain, right? You're trying to get me on that path. Cause then I don't have to actually train. Yep. I don't have to go out in the cold. Then I don't have to, you know, it's like, it's not a productive thought. Your brain again is trying to tell you, um, let's just kind of chill. I mean, the, 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 I heard a long time ago at a, right. Yeah. And I heard a long time ago at a training that, I mean, your brain really does kind of think it wants to live forever. So the best way to do that is to do nothing. And, uh, yeah. And so, I mean, give it credit, but it doesn't realize that running that marathon is gonna be pretty cool. And we're gonna give you a whole bunch of dopamine when you cross that finish line. Yeah. You know, Did I your question, though? yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. Well, I think you did though. That's why it's worth pushing through what yeah. the ego, what your brain is trying to tell you. And if you like yourself and you're committed enough to what you really value and what matters to you, mm -hmm. like yourself because of that, you can, can grow. You, like, the, couples, the couples therapist in me and some of the things that do, does frustrate me, um, kind of going off on a tangent here is kind of what we said a minute ago where it's okay to have new goals or I always wanted to try this or I always wanted to do this or that's part of being alive. And so sometimes I, it frustrates me when a, a partner might say, they're the ones that are saying, well, then what are you gonna do about this? Or you shouldn't do that. Or 
then what's that going to leave for me or, you know, those sort of things. And man, that part of the thing, so man, I'm going on a tangent. I apologize. But when I was, when I started working with uh, the world of addiction and I'm working with a lot of guys that have, again, um, pornography addiction, that sort of thing. What I really learned was that at the core of addiction is this not feeling authentic, not feeling connected. So they felt like crummy dads. They didn't like their work. They didn't, they weren't good in their faith. They weren't good with their health, all those things. And so then addiction comes from this place of, I don't feel good. So what am I going to do to check out? What am I going to do to just like, you know, uh, cope or numb or those sort of things. So in doing that, that led me to doing couples therapy. I never wanted to do couples therapy because I, you know, I didn't know how to do it. So then that led me down to this path of finding this emotionally focused therapy, this EFT model that really is this evidence-based way to really change the whole way that couples communicate. And, and that was because I'm working with guys with addiction and I can get them feeling better about their jobs or I can get them exercising or whatever, but then they felt like bad parents and bad in their marriage. Yeah. So then having them kind of really start to focus on that. But then what that brought me is this whole emotionally focused therapy. And I've done a bunch of podcasts on this too, but it's, uh, it's just a better way to communicate. So when your partner comes to you and says, I want to run a marathon, the only correct answer from the spouse is tell me where that comes from. Tell me more. Tell me what, you know, yes. tell me, I don't know, what got you thinking about this? And, and then, you know, understanding. And it's not, I mean, there's nothing productive about just shutting somebody down. That frustrates me to no end. Um, really well, I was listening to a, a podcast earlier this week on with Rachel Hollis, and she was saying something about in her family, if they're afraid of something, they criticize it. Yeah, that's good. Or not good, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really common. And even with the spouse, I think they're often just trying to act as your brain and protect you from harm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Thought. I'm going to pretend I said that one. That was good. Yeah. Okay. That was really good. You can steal it. Okay. Um, that was good. Um, well, this is, yeah. Do you have anything else you're going to Yeah. Say? So, I mean, I, and I, I told this one on uh, Rachel. I know the three and 30 podcast, we both love her, yes, right? Yes. So I told this one on hers, but I, I mean, this one just blew my mind where I had a daughter who was like in eighth or ninth grade and she said, I want to start doing gymnastics or whatever. And I thought, Hey, you know, you're supposed to be doing that when you're five, you know, in my head. But then yeah. I was like, tell me more, you know, oh, I always wanted to, I don't want to live with regrets, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Then she starts taking tumbling, all of a sudden she can do all this cool stuff. Uh, uh-huh. The high school is now this new sport called stunt. And now she's oh, yeah. like getting, uh, you know, college offers and it's, so it's wow. so crazy. So I would have just said, you know, said, that's ridiculous. You don't want to do that. Or that's going to cost too much money. Or I don't think you'll say that's, why would I do that? You know? So it's like just to sit back and, and just, you know, not, those aren't productive thoughts. And my goal is to connect with my daughter. And so, you know, I'm not going to get fused to the, that's going to be a waste of my money story. Like who cares? You know, listen, right. Um, tell so, me more. I love tell me that. more. Right. And yeah. We can do that to ourselves. Tell me yeah. more. What uh, do you really? Mean? Why do you like exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah. So maybe yeah. I will become a professional actress. Oh, that's one of my things. Do <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of kidding here, but only slightly. I'm like, we do this to ourselves. So tell me more. What's going exactly. on in that brain? Yeah, yeah. Okay. This has been so enlightening and productive. Like, all of the things I was hoping for. Let's, let's end by having a little fun though. Let's, in what way have you recently invested in yourself? Um, I, I have a very vulnerable answer that I don't think I was going to say, but why not? Right. I mean, well, my, my, one of the couple of things I jotted down were, I mean, I really do always give myself permission every day to exercise. I do daily mindfulness. Um, and I know it can sound cheesy. My wife and I go on a lot of dates, that sort of thing, part raising our emotional baseline, but I, I gave myself, um, I, I invested in myself in, I finally went and got, and I've done a little, I talked a little bit about this on my podcast, but I, um, people will be surprised to hear in my very rapid patterns of speech that I, I finally got my uh, diagnosis of uh, ADD. And so I've started wow. to, to take medication for it and it has been a game changer. It really has been. And that I never in a million years thought I would talk about that. I love and that. 
I'm going to do some podcasts on it soon. But it's like, you know, I spent clients, I mean, uh, politicians and company, heads of company, all these things. And, uh, and, you know, hearing people were, you know, these, these professional people that are uh, struggling with ADD or you know, ADHD mm-hmm. and then getting medicated and then talking about the world changing and then hearing them deal with the negative stereotypes that come along with that. Yeah. And me sitting there going, ah, you know, um, I just need yeah. to keep trying harder. Right. And then finally going and, and getting tested and, and that sort of thing. And it's just been, it's been amazing. So that's the, that really is the biggest investment I made in myself. Oh, I can't wait to hear about. But now, okay, so now, you know, combine that with the authentic piece. And now it's like, okay, if anybody listening to this is like, well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't like him because he's medicated. I don't care in a loving way, yeah, right? Because it's like, I'm, it's, it's okay, I'm doing what's best for me. Yes. So, you know, uh, there's that self-care. I Put guess. those blinders on too. Yeah, I love Absolutely, that. Right? Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Tony, you were incredible. Thank you so much for value to this podcast. I love so much about what who you are and especially what you teach. Like everything has come full circle in this episode alone. Really, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really loved it, and I can't wait to have you on my podcast. That'll be fun. That's it for this magnificent encore episode with Tony Orbe. Now I hope you can see why this episode continued to come to my mind over and over throughout the entire year. Now, friends, I do not have a great memory. Honestly, I don't. Um, But this is an episode that has been clear in my mind of takeaways I can never, ever forget. I'm going to give you a little preview for something we are going to change in 2020. If you see my notebook that I have on my lap as I'm interviewing people, it is full of notes. I love to really listen. I love to really learn. Now, when I'm doing the the interview itself, I try to do my best to circle back to some main points that the interviewer is the interviewee rather is saying, and I want to make sure it's really clear what we can learn from them. But I understand when that gets lost in the shuffle, and maybe you're like me and you leave uh, listening to a podcast episode like this, and you think, "Wow, that was so incredible," and then you forget it within a half hour. So at the end of every single episode, I'm going to share my progress pointers. And what that basically is, I'm going to share my top notes for you. I'm going to get them directly off my notebook and share my top around five notes every single episode that I think will give you the pointers you need to progress in your life, to actually do something from what you have learned from listening to the show. I would love to hear about your own best ofs. This entire month, we've been focusing on that. What are your best ofs for 2019? If it was the best ice cream you ever tasted, share it. If it was the best new podcast you found or book you read or show you listened or watched um, or product you bought, tell us all about it. You can find out how to submit your note for our Dear Progressor episode, which is the last episode of each month. And we get to hear from real people learning and growing and doing everything they hear from the show and beyond. Go to aboutprogress.com slash beyond the show. And finally, I want to remind you to sign up for the Rediscover You workshop, which is only going to be offered at the very beginning of the year. This is it, friends. And I am passionate about what this workshop does for women. And I've seen the growth that it helps them launch into. You can go to aboutprogress.com slash workshop to sign up there and go to the link in our show notes to also get notified for when our membership group, Messy Middle Club, yes, the Messy Middle Club, I've still been trying to finalize that name in my mind, is open for enrollment for only $1 a month while we get our trial run under the way. I am so privileged to be here. I'm so grateful for you and I can't wait for all that's coming in 2020 and I hope that you have a great Merry Christmas and time with your family and friends and great food and all that. Keep growing friends and remember life is about progress, not perfection. Perfection.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.